<laughs> I, uh, I was praying, you know, I knew that today was coming for a long time and I was going to be preaching and pastor asked me to get something together and he, you know, we're to be ready in season and out of season. We should always have something in our heart prepared to minister to those around us because all of us in this room are ministers of the gospel of faith. And we need to know and be ready in season and out of season to have a word. Well, I asked the Lord for a word and, um, he, he gave it to me and I was overjoyed and I was looking forward to hear the rest of it, but it stopped at a word. And, um, I just want to say this, that for, for a long time, I meditated on this. I went around and around and around with this word and tried to generate something that would be of value to you all. And I didn't just get up here and read a word and get off the pulpit. Um, although we would definitely beat everyone else to uh, SNS cafeteria if that were the case. But I just want to say this, that um, as I asked the Lord for a word and he revealed it to me, I thought, okay, cool. And um, I started to think on it. And as I, as I thought on it, have you ever had a word that you think about, just the actual physical word, and you think about it enough to where it starts to not make sense anymore? And then you start to wonder, who even came up with that anyway? Where'd... Well, it started to do this, and it was, while I was hoping that it would take shape, it was really just falling apart, and it was really kind of disturbing me because I didn't know what I was going to do. So for weeks, I, that, that was taking place, and just recently, Pastor started a series, a sermon series on saturation, and I thought, okay, this is, this is pretty good. And as he went into saturation and he started talking about revival, I thought, oh, this is really good. And then, this is last week. Last week, I finally, I, I was able to make a sermon last week. Pastor would not, can you delete that off of, edit that off of the, but I wasn't prepared until last week to, to propose this to you. Um, what I wanted to start with, if you would, this is going to be a little bit of an interaction to take place. Um, if you don't have a pen and paper, ask the neighbor next to you for a pen and paper. I'm going to ask you to write something down here in just a moment. Um, it's necessary in order to make this work. I tried this with the youth. And it bombed. So I thought, well, surely our adults are going to get it. All right. When you get your pen and paper, say amen. I'm, I'm assuming that was everyone. <laughs> I can't differentiate. But a amens. All right. Here we go. This is going to be, uh, it's going to take a little time. Um, I'm assuming. Okay, here we go. Here's some arithmetic. You ready? Write down the answer to 7 plus 7. I want to hear it. Go ahead and say it with me. What's 7 plus 7? What's 21 minus 7? What's 10 plus 4? What's 34 minus 20? What's 16 minus 2? What's 11 plus 3? Get ready. Really quickly, really quickly, don't hesitate. Think of a vegetable and write it down. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Think of a vegetable. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Quickly, quickly, quickly. All right, everybody's got it. You wrote it down. Write it down. Everybody think of that vegetable. On the count of three, I want you to yell your vegetable. Jerry, on the count of three, I want you to show it. One, two, three. How many of you have carrots? Raise your hands. The rest of y'all don't know what you're talking about. Okay. All right, here's another one I've got. These are just, these are just fun games. They mean nothing. Please follow the instructions carefully. Number one, think of a number between one and ten. Think of it. Write it down for yourself. Number between one and ten. 
I should have brought calculators. Multiply that number by nine. All right, once you get that number, the answer to that equation, take that number. So if it was nine times one, add the, and, and if it was nine times two, it's 18, right? So then add the one and the eight. So add your factor together. Subtract five from that new number. Okay, you got that? Let's go ahead and uh, picture the alphabet as a, as a numerically in sync thing. A being one, B being two, C three, D four, so on and so forth. Write down the letter that corresponds with that number in the alphabet. All right, you've got that letter? Is everybody following me? All right. Write down a country that begins with that letter. Now that you've got your country, I know some of you are thinking, wow, where? Hmm, geography. For those of you who got it, we're going forward. Think of an animal beginning with the second letter of your country. Second letter of your country. Jerry's back there going, I didn't have this on my notes. Because he's still got a carrot up there. All right, now think of the color of that particular animal. Now, think of an animal that begins with the last letter of your country. An animal that begins with the last letter of your country. Write that down. And now think of a fruit that begins with the last letter of the second animal. A fruit that begins with the last letter of the second animal. This may or may not work. <laughs> we'll see. Sadly, Denmark is an unlikely place to find gray elephants and orange kangaroos. Whoa, all right. See, guys, I told you it would work. They said, it's not going to work. We don't even know. They said Dominican Republic. All right. Well, the reason I brought that forth is because what today's message is on is our mind. And I entitled today's message, Do You Mind? Do You Mind? As I contemplated that word, and I, I looked back at the natural, and I went into the dictionary, and I, I said, let me just go ahead and first define this for myself, because I'm getting, my mind is blown. I'm, 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 I'm just not able to, to wrap my mind around this. And I started realizing how often we use that term mind, and how, how many uses it has. And, and then you go into God's Word, and we'll say that, but I'm just in the natural, the term mind it is an amazing term. Pastor once taught on the faculties of our brain and, and the importance of our brain. And in fact, we, if you've been here long enough, you may have sat through the teaching on the brain with the South African lady who taught really fast and you couldn't understand her. But she, the pictures helped. But we were able to understand that there, the brain was an amazing, amazing thing. And then the mind aspect of the brain. And you start to just fathom the, the enormity of it. And you get into the natural. And, and here's, I got 14 of, I don't even know how many definitions there are, but I want to bring these forth to you. And I know this is a little bit laborious and long, but we're going to go through it anyway. The human consciousness that originates in the brain and is manifested especially in thought, perception, emotion, will, memory, and imagination. That, to me, encapsulated the bulk of it. Okay? 
the faculty of thinking, reasoning, and applying knowledge. For instance, follow your mind and not your heart. You know, we all sharpen our mind through, um, through living and studying, and we, we develop our own ideals based on what makes sense and, and reason. Um, and it often conflicts with our heart, if, you'll, if, if you know that. A person of great mental ability. You think of the great minds of this century, you know, and, and there's always there, there's, there's just something a, attached to the mind and how they influenced a, a particular era. Individual consciousness, memory, or recollection. I'll bear that problem in mind, someone might say. I'll bear that problem in mind. Opinion or sentiment. He changed his mind when he heard all the facts. Desire or inclination. She had a mind to spend her vacation in the desert. I don't know why, but that's where she wanted to spend her vacation. Focus of thought or attention. I can't keep my mind on work. Remember to bring to mind, to bring to remembrance. To heed in order to obey. The children minded their babysitter. To attend. To attend to. To mind closely what I tell you. To be careful about. Mind the icy sidewalk. To object to or to dis dislike. I don't mind doing the chores. I don't mind taking out the trash. To take care of. To take care or charge of or to look after. Mind your P's and Q's. There's all these terms that, that come forth in the natural that talk about our mind and what, where it can be used. And I think what I asked Laura to sing this song um, at the end of service, but who am I that you are mindful of me? That song resonated in my spirit. It was the first song that resonated in my spirit once the Lord gave me this word. And I started to marvel on that fact that he is mindful of me. And who am I that you, almighty God, are mindful of me that I'm... Your mind is full of me. And then you take into consideration what the mind is, and, and that thing in God is full of me. And it just really makes me feel important and overwhelmed by his love. And, and I just can't, be, I can't believe who I am to him. It just it blows me away. And what I wanted to propose this morning as I brought forth this message, because there is something to come out of this. And Pastor talked about saturation. He talked about a revival. He's talked about all these things that are necessary in the church today. But we, as Christians, need to change our minds. We need to change our minds about how we view Christianity, the world, and all that's around us in order for us to, to change the course of our own individual lives, but also that of our household, our workplace, our region, and even our country. If revival's going to happen, it's going to happen first in the minds of the believers that we can do this thing. I know that this is a timely message because, first of all, I had no clue what I was going to speak on. And the Holy Spirit had to reveal to me in so many areas and to shine the light in my spirit. And as Pastor brought forth that message and certain circumstances that have taken place around us, my wife and I and our family, um, it's amazing how saturation becomes so relevant to our mind-altering. We, When I think of saturation... I'm a, I'm a meat eater. I'm a carnivore. I love steak, but I love to marinate it. I love to soak it in a marinade, something where it can take on the flavor, take on the characteristics of that thing that I soak it in. And it takes time. You've got to just let it sit and, and just 
it can't just, you can't drizzle it on, you can't sprinkle it on, you can't just pat it in there. It's got to sit and resonate and soak in. Just as our minds, just as our spirit, just as we need to soak in the truths of God's Word. And that takes place on our own in our individual houses, but also as we come together as a church and we sit under the instruction and tutelage of, of a man of God that's teaching the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And I'm so blessed and we're so blessed to have a place like this that we can come and get that. But in order for our minds to be transformed, in order for us to become more like Christ, we have to be saturated in the Word of God and in who He is, in worship, in prayer. And it goes so far beyond the traditional aspects of religion and what people are so used to doing. And, and God's not impressed by that. He wants us to be totally 110% submitted to His authority in His Word and seek for who we are in Him. And as we soak in Him, we develop an understanding and a mindset of who He is. Therefore, we are able to understand who we are. This is very important, guys. This message, aside from the, the, the salvation message where we receive the Holy Spirit, this is the most important message you will ever hear in all your life. I say that boldly. The standard text I think most of us are familiar with, um, in Romans 12 too, if you have that, Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He didn't say that he's going to transform us to the renewing of our mind. That is something, it's a, it, it's a, there's some work on our part. As we've become Christians, and as we accept him as our Lord, we're going to have to do some work. And I believe that that... If we're going to be transformed, that the transform, transformation is going to have to begin in our mind. It's going to have to begin in what we view as reality. My mom, who's not able to be here this morning, bless her heart, um, she has always been a weirdo. And I say that the most respectful way I can. But she has, is so full of God's heart that she swims upstream in every aspect of life. Um, for years as a kid growing up, I thought it to be a little bit embarrassing to bring them over to the house because they might walk in to find her on her knees and, 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 and basking in his glory. And it, it was weird to the world to, to see her crying and for them to say, hey, was everything all right? Oh, yeah, she's just happy. You know, she's just, she's excited to be around. Oh, really? Well, I'm, it's one of those paradoxes that we live in. But her mindset is such that, and our mindset as Christians will be, and, and for most of us is, that we are so consumed with who He is that we don't care what the world thinks. That we have the mind of Christ, and we're going to function in that way. Despite, In fact, Laura, you said this this morning, during prayer time, before we got started during worship practice, um, I, just, I had just walked in, and she, the first thing I heard her say was, you know what, I'm wacko for Christ, and I don't care what people think. And she's always, you know, if you ever get around Laura, she's bubbly, she's, she's excited, she's happy, but she's made up her mind that she's going to be that way. And therefore, she can be that way, but it's the mind of Christ that exists in her. Because believe me, guys, I know Laura, and your circumstances haven't always been that great, and, um, but yet here you are, worshiping, up here, before you, leading us into worship. She's a cheerleader, guys. She's a cheerleader for Christ, and she can do that. And if anybody knows her story, you'll know that you can also be that way as well. Um, I don't, I don't want us to, to become so well adjusted, um, to our culture, 
that we fit into our culture without even thinking about it. Instead, we need to fix our attention on God. We need to fix our, our attention on who He is, who He says that we are. Because this world is going to hell in a handbasket. If you even are paying a little bit of attention to the media and to all that's taking place, forget the news, and that's in and of itself is, is terrible. I've not seen any good news in a long time. But just the, even the entertainment, that the entertainment that this world deems as, as valuable and are dumping millions and billions and even trillions of dollars in, it's sick and twisted and demented. And we are going to collapse as a nation if the Christians in our country don't get their minds set on the things of God and start getting active about it. We need to be changed from the inside out. In order for that to happen, we're going to have to have the mindset of Christ. We're going to have to believe if, and I go back to that, to that meat and for those vegetarians or vegans in here, I apologize, but I'm just going with it. If you take a, a slab of beef and you drop it in that marinade, it's going to be changed from the, from the outside in. And you can taste the outside surface and it's, it's good, right? If it's, just, if it's just dabbed in there. But you let it soak and marinate in there and you never take it out. And I can assure you, in time, you can eat that sucker from the inside out and it's going to taste as good on the first bite as it does on the last. And that's what our lives are supposed to represent. We're supposed to be so embedded in His Word. He's supposed to be so very entwined in the, very, the, the, the fiber of our being that we can move forward in, in Him and it be, it be a, a natural thing for us. It's just a natural thing for us. I taught, um, I don't know, it was a few weeks now ago about Peter and his obedience. And I, I kind of broke down the steps that Peter took in order to, to be obedient and, and to walk on water. He did an amazing thing in walking on water. And one of the things that he did that, that struck me, and I, I leapt off of that um, to this message, was that he, was, he recognized what the Lord wanted. He didn't presume on the promises of God. But when the promises of God were presented to him, he was quick in responding. He was quick in responding. And so many of us have a quickening in our hearts. We might see a, maybe it's a Hallmark commercial or something that causes us to get all teary-eyed and we feel things or maybe we see a Habitat for Humanity commercial and think, I want to, I want to do that. You know, and there's so many things that we think, you know, I want to, I should have, could have, would have, but didn't. But we need to be quick to respond to the things of God. When we're called to move into the things of God, be it someone in your, in your life that maybe they'll come to your mind as we're talking today that don't know Christ or that you, you see, um, you see life as, as, as a vapor and you understand that everyone around you is destined to go home sometime and that we play an instrumental part on their actually getting back to Christ, getting back to God, their, their creator. The Holy Spirit will quicken in you and he will cause your mind to function in a way that says, I can, I can change the course of their eternity. Because of you, I think of Billy Graham, that one individual who I think, I don't even know the story behind him, but his dentist or someone um, influenced him and, and invited him to accept Christ as his Lord, and he did. And we all know Billy Graham. I, if, if you don't, then sorry. But we, he's, he's a majorly influential individual. He taught the most simple message. He, he taught the same message over and over and over and over. If anybody's mind was made up, it was Billy Graham. And he influenced millions upon millions of people to make a decision for Christ. His work stopped there as an evangelist, but they had to make up their own minds to continue forward in serving Christ. Um, 
whatever we whatever we view ourselves as in life, we're going to become. All right, this is a, this is a fact that the world would teach you. Psychologists, psychiatrists would teach you that if you if you view yourself as a grasshopper, you're going to be a grasshopper. You're going to be taken advantage of and walked on. And if you allow yourself to be that, if you view yourself as that, if your mind is made up that that's who you are, then that's who you're going to be. If we continue to believe that we've as we've always believed, you'll continue to act as you've always acted. If you continue to act as you've always acted, you'll continue to get what you've always had. Pastor brought forth the definition of insanity last week, and I think a lot of us are familiar with it. But to to do the same thing over and over, and expect different results, it really is. It's insane. It's just insanity. And there comes a time in our life where we hit a crossroads and we have to make a decision to make up our mind to go forward in the things of God. And most often, more often than not, it requires us to do some radical things. It requires us to do some subtle things. It causes us to, to challenge the precepts of the world. It, takes, it causes us to challenge, um, in some cases, our spouse, our friends, our family, our co-workers, our boss, our government, um, there's all kinds of things that can happen, and it's a scary thing for a lot of people. But once your mind is made up, I want to tell you this, that you've got to take a stand for Christ. And it's not about who you think you are. It's not about what you think you can do. It's when you have been so saturated in the Word of God that He becomes a part of you and that you become more like Him, that you're going to be compelled to do things. You're going to be compelled to love like He loves. And, you know, He was a, he was a tough guy, Jesus was. I don't want to say that, you know, when we, when we saturate ourselves, and this is to the guys, that when we saturate ourselves in him, that all of a sudden we become kind of sissies and we're not able to, to do what we wish we could do. But he, he was a tough guy. And he didn't stand for any shenanigans, if you will. He, he had the mind of God. And he didn't tolerate those things that were not of God. And he did it in, in, a, in a respectful way. He honored God in all that he did. But there's four areas that I wanted to, to bring forth to you. So if you want to write these down as we go, but there's four areas that God desires to transform us. To des he desires to transform our way of thinking. He desires to transform our mind. When I read that scripture, um, that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, it's always hard for me to think in those terms because your mind tends to do weird things, and, and you almost seem to not have control of it at certain times. And um, as we go forward, I'm going to talk about how we're going to be held responsible for our thought life. But I asked the question to the Lord, how, how do we do that, Father? How do we set our minds? You say to set your, our minds on you. So that means we have to physically, we have to set our minds on those things that are of you. How do we do that? Well, the first area of the four areas that, mind want, that God wants to transform our minds is that he wants to uh, cause us to reevaluate what we think about, our thought life in general, our thought life in general. This is something that scared me um, into a godly fear. But that um, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus knew the thoughts of the Pharisees. And... Um, Oftentimes, I think I've thought that God's touch in my life was limited to everything but my thought life. I thought my thought life was off limits 
to him. You know, as long as I think and not do it, I'm really okay. Well, Ray Comfort and those guys kind of dispelled that in the scripture. And as you look into God's word, you realize that, oh, no, it is not. But Ray Comfort and Kurt Cameron have that way of the master ministry style that they go out and, and I guess, guilt people to Christ is what it seems like. But they basically, um, they ask some, some questions. And one of the questions is, Has you, have you ever lusted after a woman or have you ever uh, committed adultery? And a lot of these people, you know, humble men, you know, good family men, nice guys. The world would look at them and say, that's a good guy. No, I haven't ever committed adultery. Absolutely not. The next question was, have you ever looked at a woman to lust after her? Well, yeah, I'm a guy. Of course. Well, the Bible says that to look at a woman to lust after her is to commit adultery in your heart. Now, let me ask you again. Have you ever committed adultery? Well, if you're going to get technical, well, yeah, God's technical. <laughs> He's very technical. And our thought life, now, I don't want you all to think, oh, my gosh, I'm condemned to hell because right now I'm just thinking about things I shouldn't be thinking about. And, and I was at the beach yesterday. I've got images burned in my brain. And ah! Well, the truth is God has given us ability to, to get out of that, okay? Now, I want to tell you this. He, he did not allow temptation to overcome us. He's never allowed temptation to get so great that we cannot handle it. Our thought life is, is, is definitely one of those areas, guys, especially. Um, wow. I can't begin to tell you how many guys struggle in the area of their thought life. While their the physical life and their outside life is, is victorious, there are certain thought lives that God desires to transform us in. Philippians 4.8 teaches us, if you would open that up. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any, if there's any virtue in anything, praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Be mindful of these things. Think on these things. That is the, that's the key to your thinking. If there is anything of that nature, we are to put our thoughts towards that. When we're going through trials and tribulations, it's difficult to allow our thought life to be half full, if you will. Um, in fact, some of you know I, I run a construction company, and we do um, we have we do home renovations, and the housing market's been failing, and there's a lot of wishy-washy work going on out there right now and, and, and people are skeptical and quite frankly work dries up and a lot of contractors find themselves sitting at home twiddling their thumbs wondering where the next paycheck's coming from. What are they going to do? Well, I was one of those and I can tell you firsthand that you can sit and, and, and debate whether or not I'm supposed to be doing this. You start to... Um, we start to challenge whether or not this is even of God to begin with when before you knew that this is God. This is God. He's, he put me in this. He's given me these talents and he's caused me to want to do this and I'm doing it. I'm serving him and things are great. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, things all of a sudden aren't going as great as you'd like them to be going. And the next thing you know, you're, you're starting to challenge whether or not this was of God in the first place. And then the enemy starts to come in and, and tell you some lies that he wants you to believe in. And it can become very discouraging. And it's not just in the construction business. This is going all over. There's an epidemic. That's the, it's the Great Depression. And the natural economy is collapsing. And, and all these things are, are happening. We hear about it all day. Every day it's being pumped into us. 
And all we can do is allow our minds to stick to those things, to cling to those things, those words that are coming forth. When the truth of God's word is that he will supply us all I need. All of our needs are found in him. There are certain things that we need to focus on to get our minds out of the gutter because the enemy comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants everything within you, everything that's praiseworthy, all of these attributes that I just read to you, he wants those crushed and smothered because while those exist in the forefront of your mind, the enemy cannot defeat you. But when you allow those things that are true and righteous and of God to come down off the screen of your mind and allow the enemy to project onto you what you would... People are committing suicide. Families are being broken up. I just recently had a conversation with a couple who's, who's experiencing financial difficulties and their, their marriage is on the rocks. They're, they're talking about things that they would never think about. Not in, when they got married, I know that I can tell you this, that they would never have imagined that they would have these kinds of conversations. But the fact is, they need to set their minds on the things above. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 5. I don't even know if I gave you this. Ah, there he's fast. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Keep on going. For the weapons of our warfare are not, car are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, that's my wife's favorite verse, and um, we live by that in our house. We need to make sure that we meditate on those things that are of God. We've got to make sure that we um, control our minds. We cannot let the world control our minds. The reason why I did that, that little test to you this morning um, was to show you that there are tricks that can be done even by me. I know nothing about the mind. I know nothing about the brain. I'm no magician. I'm nobody. But for some of you, you thought of a carrot. For others, you thought of... Uh, well, you would, wouldn't you? Well, it starts with C. I guess it's close enough. But um, Denmark came to mind, and then you're thinking about elephants and kangaroos and orange and gray. And the, the world, you know, there's these people out there, the Chris Angels of the world, the David Blaine, Blake's Blaine, who pose as something powerful, pose as something that has the ability to, uh, to influence you. And the truth is, the world can do that. In fact, it can be so demonic that it can actually control your mind. But we need to make sure we have a hold on what is true and right and godly and only allow that to occupy our minds. Um, in other words, we have the ability to control our thought life by the power of God that works in us, if we will access that power. He gave us the ability to control all things. When I watch what Jesus did in the world as he lived here, he did some amazing feats. And it was not because he was in, he was he was 100% man. We know that he was 100% man. He had the Father working with him. He had the Holy Spirit working on his behalf. And as a result, he can do these things that no one else could do. Well, are we so much different than he? We're 100% man. We have the Holy Spirit and the Father working on our behalf. We can do all these things that he's done as well. But it takes us making up our minds that we can do this. Um... Another problem in our thought life is due to the material that we place in our ears and, and eyes. And all this questionable material, it's, it's really mind-boggling. Um, 
Do you realize that when you were 18 years old, that you saw 180,000 beer commercials by the time you were 18 years old? And 80,000 murders on television, just on television. That is amazing. And there, is there any wonder why our, we struggle in our thought life? I don't think so. We expose our mind to the Bible only occasionally. And typical Bible reading, as, as the, you go younger in age, you find less and less reading of the Word. And I believe that that's attributed to the fact that God is being taken out, taken out of our schools. He's being taken out of the, out of the, out of the classrooms, out of the, uh, out of the media, um, out of the Congress. I mean, all the, all the virtues that we stood on and are being pulled out from under us. And it's, there's no wonder that the younger people, the younger generation is not exposed to the Word of God. They're not exposed to the principles of God. They're exposed to this worldly mess. And as a result, our, our economy and everything else is starting to suffer. We need His Word to wash the mess of our mind. We must have a transformation of our thought life, be more responsible for what we place in our minds. Whatsoever things are pure and just, those are the things we're to meditate on. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your minds on the things that are above, not, uh, not on the things that are upon the earth. In order for us to do that, we've got to be aware of the things that are above. We've got to be, we've got to be disciplining ourselves to, to read the things in God's Word where He promises those things which are above. We've got to know who we are in His light. We've got to know what His economy says about our life. We've got to know what His destiny is upon our life. We cannot allow the world to teach us who we are because we are going to fall apart and come apart of the seams just like this, this economy is doing. Um, the next point uh, that, I, that God wants to... Uh, change our life is uh, how we, I'm having trouble even reading this, is how we think about ourselves. This is a huge epidemic. In dealing with the youth, I've had lots of conversations. I've been able to pull people aside and I get to see this firsthand. We've got to have a transformation about how we view ourselves. Our mind needs to be altered in that regard because there's too many young people that right now are, are viewing themselves poorly. In essence, they're living a lie, if you ask me. Romans 12... One and two, um, he said, the, the word says that we've got to allow our minds to be changed. But then right after that, in Romans 12, 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God thinks, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And then in verse 16, it says, Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. This is hard to do when you're living in a world where glitz and glamour is the thing, and you know the the, the game of life is to see who can die with the most toys and um, who can have the most power, the most influence. These things are going to are going to ultimately end up in your demise, emotionally, spiritually, and ultimately physically. These we need to have an understanding of what God says about us and who we are. And realize that he doesn't want us to be haughty, but he doesn't want us to be so humble that the world walks all over us. People think of themselves in one of two ways. One, they think of themselves as too high. And they put too much of an emphasis on all that they are, all that they think that they are. Uh, they think we're too good. We, uh, we expect special treatment because we're better than everyone else. I think of Jacob. 
whenever I think of this person because he, he walked with a strut and God had to, had to change his name, change who he was. And it's kind of funny, but, you know, you look at people who, who think this way and are, are, I've worked for people that are so successful financially and they think that they're all that in a bag of chips. And as a result, they end up being paranoid. It consumes their life. And I look at, I look at around the world and that's how I, I've learned to decide who I want to be in Christ is I don't want to be someone who's dissatisfied. I don't want to be the rich guy who commits suicide. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the one who has, a, who has an even kill. So get this. You cannot think of yourself as too high, but you can't think of yourself as too low. If we see ourselves as a nobody, then you're going to be, you're going to be a nobody. You're going to be walked on. And we can't, we can't allow that to happen. We, we're, not, we're not insignificant as Christians. Ladies, you're not ugly. Understand that. Guys, you can do it. We've got to understand that we, we have, there's a self-esteem involved in Christ in knowing who, who we are in Him that, that goes so far beyond what people think. It doesn't matter what people think. It truly doesn't matter what people think. And in the Southern culture, that is a, a, that's, that's a huge problem. I don't know how it is all around the rest of the United States, but I know here in the South, everyone is concerned about what mommy and daddy are going to think, what grandma and grandpa, aunt and uncle, the Joneses next door. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We've got to change the way we think about ourselves. We need to understand, first, that we're not better than everyone else. But however, we can't be trapped in a low self-esteem because we are heirs, guys. We're heirs and joint heirs with Christ. There is a certain... Uh, pride that comes along with knowing that and just simply knowing that we are joint heirs with the King of Kings, Lord of Lords that says, wow, I am somebody, but at the same time acknowledging that I don't deserve that. And that's a humbling experience to realize that, wow, I have no right to be at this place, but yet Christ has escalated me to this place. And there's just, there's, if you can get that mentality, that is the perfect balance for an individual. When the world would come and try to tell you that you're worthless, you are, you are seated with Christ on the throne. You tell me how worthless that is. There's, there, there's a lot of worth in that. The last thing is, uh, or the third thing I want to talk about is uh, how we see each other, how we think about others. You know, you get to pick your friends, but you don't get to pick your family. And when I think about it, even this morning, it hit me real hard. Um, my family's going through a, a, a tough time. And when I came in here this morning, I was kind of self-consumed with all that's going on in my own life. But to walk in here and to be reached out to by my family here and to hear the conversations and to, to praise God with you all, I realized that this is, this is truly a family. And you know what? We might not always like each other. So what? But we don't get to pick our family. We get to pick our friends, but we don't get to pick our family. Ann Landers had a story in one of her columns that talked about one of her uh, experiences at a, at a mall. She brought her, her two boys in there, and one of them... Um, decided to speak up when a, a stranger walked up and said, you know, your two sons don't look anything alike. 
And the six-year-old looked at the guy and said, well, that's because I'm adopted. That means that we're the same family, but we just don't have the same face. And I think about that as a six-year-old, how he, got, he gets that. And when, when we can have the understanding that we as a church and Christians as a whole are family, we're family. I could go in the mission field overseas and be greeted by a fellow brother in Christ or sister in Christ, and we're family. Just as I can go to a family reunion and see Uncle Joe... I don't have an Uncle Joe, but if there, if I did, he'd be there and he'd be happy to see me. I can ask him for money and he'd probably give it to me. Yeah. But um, the fact is that there, there are certain attributes of family that we need to get a hold of and we need to view each other as family. As We need to, we need to get a, a mind-altering um, about how we view each other because just recently I was in the car and I got cut off and I was frustrated. It was hot and... Um, I didn't, I'm the only one that this happens to, I know. But I was on the way home and this happened and I thought, man, I was, I got a little bit perturbed, you know, and I, the person that was in the car didn't get my, you know, I wasn't praying for him the way I should. But as I was, as I was meditating on this, you know, God created every single person and he, he created us that we would love them and, and adopt them. We're all adopted anyway, but we're to go out and to reach out to those around us and to adopt them into our own family. We've got to get a mind change as to how we view others. Church life has become so much about politics. It's, been, it's become so much about the budget. It's become so much about how many people are sitting in the seats. Is the air working? Are the lights functioning? How's our multimedia functioning? And um, worship was not this. I mean, it, we're losing sight about people. We're losing sight about people because that's the only reason Jesus Christ did what he did. It was not about church. He could care less about church. He didn't have a PowerPoint presentation, I assure you. He had a felt board. <laughs> no, not really. I've never even seen a felt board, but I'm assuming that has something to do with what the old churches used to do. But anyway, I just want us to get a, a revelation as to what it looks like to love people. Because if, if we don't get a mind, a mind shift we're going to be so wrapped up in what the world is talking about and, and about the oil spills and, and all the, the, the things that the world would have us focus on so that they can generate a buck. But the truth is Jesus Christ came that lives would be one to him. And folks, we're not going to be able to change anything if we're not changed. And if, we are, if we're going to birth him, we've got to have him. He's got to dwell in us. We've got to be saturated in him. We've got to soak in him to take that to the world because there's no... There's no mind game that you can play on people to cause them to come to, to Christ and receive salvation. There's a lot of decisions that can be made by some snazzy dressed um, speaker getting altar calls and getting cards signed, but that's not what's changing the world. What's changing the world for Christ is those individuals who have Christ in them, and we need to be those. We need to have our minds set on the things above, and when we see people, we need to be moved with compassion. We need to be moved with compassion. I'm not using my notes anymore because they're distracting. Um... Listen, we are the church. We need to change our, 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 our and this is the last thing that I, I put up there, was that we need to alter the way we view church or how we, how we think about church. We need to be able to, to come together as a body of Christ, as brothers and sisters, and not comparing ourselves to one another, and not competing. This is not a place to come and, and get a one-up on your neighbor and to, to sign the card to say I was there in attendance. And, you know, it's not like grade school where you get a record of attendance and your grade is based on how well you did while you were there. This is not about a grade. This, is every, this has everything to do with genuineness. 
coming together as a, as a church body to be exhorted and lifted up. That's why we come together as a church. To have our minds soaked in the Word of God. Because the Word of God washes. It cleanses us. It cleanses us. Though I was read, you know, died, I forget the scripture right now, but you guys all know. Red as crimson to white as snow. That only happens due to the presence of God in your life. Due to His presence and His Word washing you. Husbands, you are to wash your wives in the Word of God. If we're going to combat all this junk that I mentioned about how the world is starting to, to, to push and infiltrate our minds and to take us away from Christ, if we're to wash that out, we've got to spend more time in the Word of God than we do in front of the television. We've got to spend more time on, on our knees in prayer, petitioning before Almighty God, because we, as an individual, you have the ability to change the outcome of a situation. You can change the weather. You can change the president's thoughts. You can change, things can happen just by the, the, the prayer of a righteous individual avails much. If you're just reciting some, some, what do you call those things when you went to church and you had a hymn, hymnal, hymn, or you have, if you're just reciting a hymn, there's no power in that. Because it's not a part of who you are. Yeah, okay, great, you can read. That's wonderful. But God's not impressed by that. He's not impressed by your ability to be at church. He's not impressed by the sacrifices that you make to come to the house of God so that you can do the things that people are doing in churches today. God is not impressed with that. He wants our minds to be washed with His Word. And in order for us to, to become victorious in Him, we're going to have to be saturated. I declare a revival in the body of Christ. And it's not going to look like it's always looked. This is, this is a time where God's going to fulfill the scripture. Guys, we're, the, the, the earth is doomed. It's going to happen. There, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk God out of fulfilling his word. But the truth is, there's a lot of souls out there that are going to be caught in this mix. And there's going to be, there's going to be people that talk, um, they come as a, as, a, as a wolf in sheep's clothing, as an angel of light, and they're going to be teaching these things with the heart of the enemy, trying to detract from the things of God. And we need to make sure that we are of the mindset and of the focus that we're going to go out to win souls for Christ. And we need to pour out ourselves on those individuals that are around us. We need to make sure that if we have the ability to influence a soul, that we're doing it with the right mind. It's not to, to come to pass and say, I won one, I won one. That's not what it's about. Not that anybody does that. But the truth is, we need to make sure that we're doing it for the right reasons. When we see someone who doesn't know Christ, and we know that they don't know Christ, there's got to be something in us that rises up to say, you need to know. You just need to... There's going to have to be a sacrifice on your part that says, you know what? I might have been going to do this thing, or I might not even be able to afford to do this thing. But Lord, I'm just going to lean on you and, and you just lean on him and his understanding, not on your own. And you fall into that thing and by our minds being transformed, we can transform the world. And that's what I want to get at today. As a, as a man thinks, so is he. That's what the Bible says. William James said, the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter the, their lives by altering the attitudes of their mind. The Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius put it this way. He said, a man's life is what his thoughts make of it. I want, I want church to become a place where our minds are renewed again. Where we don't come 
seeking to be entertained, but we come seeking to be soaked. That we come here seeking to be transformed. When we leave here, church doesn't end. Church shouldn't end when 12 o'clock hits. That's not where, that's not where our hearts should be. Our hearts should be 100% sold out when we come into this place where it's just like a big weekly family reunion. When we come together, we should love one another, exhort one another, help one another. Outside of here, we should still be family. Our phones should ring with each other's, we should see each other's names on our caller ID and, and saying, listen, I, I want you to pray with me. Every week we do praise reports, prayer requests, and I can assure you that every time you write something down on those prayer requests, that on a weekly basis it's being brought before the Lord. Because your friends and family in here care about you. They care about every little thing. They petition before God. We come back and we hear about praise reports. God is an amazing God. He can do amazing things. If we can only get our minds wrapped around who He is and the magnificence of His ability that He gave us, I cannot believe that He entrusted me with the power that He's entrusted me with. It is a miracle that I'm even standing up here right now. I have no right to be talking to any of y'all about anything. If you knew who I was, when... I hear heresy being shouted from the, from, the, from the congregation. But the fact is this. I don't deserve to be here. God in all His mercy has allowed me to have a passion for Him. He has infused me with His DNA through the teachings that I get through where we come to church. I want to encourage you guys, um, and this is not necessarily a, a plug for encounter, but um, we need to encounter God. Each of us has to do it in our own special way. But here at Legacy, there is a way that is facilitated by the leaders of our church. And it's an amazing, mind-altering, life-changing experience that you can go through. If you take it seriously, that can be the beginning of the rest of your life. It doesn't end when you, when you hit the burn barrel. It's not over. That means it's the, first, it's the beginning of your life. And how many of you have been to Encounter? Raise your hand. For those of you who have been to Encounter, you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've, you've had the light shown on those dark areas. And this is the time in our life where we need to take that that we learned at that time and to transmit it to all of those around us within the church body. We need to take it outside the walls of the church. God's Word cleans up the mess that the world will put in our heads. His Word alone cleans up the mess that gets put in our heads by the world. And it's the only thing that's going to that's combat the enemy in these, in these dark times. And the times are dark. I think we can all agree, and it's not going to get any better. From what I can tell, it's not looking like it's going to get any better. But the truth is, I don't care. What I care about is what God says. The world's, the world's going to crumble. But we're, we have a, a really important role in this time. And it's only when we make up our minds to go forth, we are the, we are the revival each of you, you can have revival in your living room with one or two people. And for that person, they will be revived. The Holy Spirit will arise again. And that is a power that you have. We don't need to see it on a global scale. Because if you're thinking of it on a global scale, you're probably thinking that it's going to take me and, and three others to go and do this thing. But the truth is, you don't need anybody else. You, God has given you the ability to cause revival to take place in your own living room, in your kitchen, at your friend's house, the one who you know is at the brink of disaster right now. Maybe they're, they're getting foreclosed on. Their minds are troubled. They don't know what they're going to do. But you have the ability and the, and the gifts 
let alone the book. This is the, the instruction manual. You don't have to think. You don't really don't have to think. You just go there and use this. But we have to make up our minds to do it. Will everyone stand with me? And musicians, if you don't mind coming up.